welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I'm so glad to be with you today. We are continuing on in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this next part of the text in Matthew chapter 7 that we're working through today is what is seen as bringing us to the end of Jesus's sermon here. We are on episode 143, and it's titled The Narrow Road, and our text today is Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. I have really appreciated my time in this series, and I do have the whole series put together for you in a playlist um, in Spotify. If you're a Spotify listener, I mean, obviously you can find the episodes in any podcast app you listen to, but the neat thing with Spotify is I can put them all in one playlist. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, If you search Spotify and you look for Thankful Homemaker, I think you could find my profile on there, and it's my playlists are on my profile. And also, they are all in a category on my website. So if you hover, if you hover over to the blog, if you're at the blog and you hover over the Christian Living tab, um, you'll see the link to the whole series. But I'll put both of those uh, links for you in the show notes so you can access them pretty easily. Uh, One of my dear listeners, I really love this, she shared with me that she and her mom like to listen to the podcast together, and then they talk about it. And I really love this because that's what we're desiring to do in the Patreon group for Thankful Homemaker. Each month for Patreon members, we have a live coffee chat via Zoom, and we just kind of chat and we catch up and we'll discuss the most recent podcast episode together. I really look forward to this time together with the ladies. It's a fun way for me to get to know everybody a little better, and we've kind of, um, we get to know each other a little better and even maybe people in your area or somebody. Uh, if you would like to get in on the next coffee chat, check out my Patreon link for more info on how to join us. And you can see all that's included with your Patreon support. Our next coffee chat is scheduled actually for this week when this podcast is coming out for this upcoming Thursday, it's April 27th at seven o'clock at um, my central, central standard time. So seven o'clock PM central time. It's, it's a way that kind of for us as afar, we can walk and talk about it a bit more. I'd love you to join us. I'll put all the details on how to do that in the show notes. You can always head over to thankfulhomemaker.com backslash support to find out more too. And this also reminds me to share about my dear friend, Conrad, and he has a way to share with your kiddos the truths of God's word as you walk along the way and you teach your children all about the Lord. God's word is our ultimate resource to share with our kiddos. And so many of our great hymns of the faith are a way that we can teach our children the great doctrines of the faith as we sing these truths with them. Conrad has created an excellent resource for families with littles to easily, in five minutes a day, your children or grandchildren can hear the truth of God's word sung into their ears, and they'll start their life enjoying books, and they'll even become familiar with sheet music. You can purchase a copy for your little one, an expectant mama in your life, or one for each of your grandchildren. And I shared before that I have a dear friend who purchased multiple copies to share in her church's library. I really love that. Our podcast here at Thankful Homemaker is one of the few places you're going to hear about this limited time Kickstarter campaign 
that I've personally backed because I really love this project. So please take advantage of it before it ends on May 8th. Just go to highcontrasthymnbooks.com backslash thankful-homemaker and high contrast is spelled H-I-C-O-N-T-R-A-S-T and then hymnbooks.com thankful homemaker. The link is going to be in the podcast description and in the main show notes at the blog for this episode. And then also each additional book you purchase, it comes with an automatic discount of 33%. So it's a great way to get multiple copies to have as gifts on hand. If you can't remember the link or um, just get to the show notes if you want to know a little more, easiest way to do it. You can also search kickstarter.com and type in high contrast hymn book. And again, that was high H-I contrast c-o-n-t-r-a-s-t so you could type in high contrast hymn book and conrad's project will show up right there in your search too so we've worked through over these past couple of years together yes years i said (laughs) very slowly going through matthew chapters five through seven in this sermon of jesus's we started with the character of those in the kingdom that he taught us in the beatitudes One commentator called them the beautiful attitudes. And in those verses, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, it laid out for us what the attitudes of those in the kingdom should be. And it all starts with us becoming poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's when we see ourselves spiritually bankrupt before the Lord. The words, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling, come to my mind. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated in seeing our spiritual bankruptcy before the Lord in this way, he said, the way to become poor in spirit is to look at God, look at him, and the more we look at him, the more hopeless shall we feel by ourselves, and in and of ourselves, the more we shall become poor in spirit. Look at him, keep looking at him, look at the saints, look at the men who have been most filled with the spirit and used, but above all, look again at him, and then you will have nothing to do to your to to do to yourself. It will be done. You cannot truly look at him without feeling your absolute poverty and emptiness. So from the Beatitudes, we moved on to salt and light and how being in the kingdom, we should have an effect on the world and those around us. We were reminded that those inside the kingdom should have a righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. We moved into those last verses in chapter 5 where Jesus gave us examples of what this righteousness should look like in our lives as we battle sinful anger and lust and problems in our marriage and being sinned against and what it means to turn the other cheek and the call to love our enemies. And in chapter six, we walk through the instructions on many areas, right? Like giving and fasting and prayer and worry and materialism and wrongly judging others. We summed up the section on prayer with Matthew, um, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 7, 12, I should say, with the golden rule. And which, as one commentator put it, he said, it aptly, aptly summarizes all that has gone before it and then lifts the eyes of the reader to Jesus Christ, who is the only possible source of goodness. And now we begin Jesus's conclusion to this sermon. So Jesus has laid out for us what life inside the kingdom should look like. And we're called to do more than just listen to it. We're called to live it. We're commanded to enter, quote, there, enter by the narrow gate. John MacArthur stated, he said, Jesus has been giving God standards throughout the sermon, standards that are holy and perfect and that are diametrically opposed to the self-righteous, self-sufficient and hypocritical standards of man 
typified by those of the scribes and Pharisees. He has shown what his kingdom is like and what its people are like and are not like. Now he presents the choice of entering the kingdom or not. Here the Lord focuses on the inevitable decision that every person must make, the crossroads where he must decide on the gate he will enter and the way he will go. Let me read our verses for today. Matthew chapter 7. Excuse me. I've got a little frog in my throat there today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Okay, so Jesus makes it pretty clear here that there are only two roads in life. One leads to life, the narrow road to heaven. One leads to destruction, the wide road to hell. There's no middle ground. It's black and white. I I know this view is a bit too narrow for our society, which wants to think that all lifestyles and choices are acceptable. People think that they're basically good. But what does the Bible tells us? There's no one good. No, not one. We live in a time when the motto is do whatever makes you feel good. I'm currently reading Strange New World by Carl Truman, and it's an important read for the times we're in. Just get a copy. There's a larger version of this. I'm reading what's what I call the Cliff Notes version, but it's good. He's got a um, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the title, but it's I want to say it's like the rise and triumph of something is his main book. But I'm reading Strange New World, so it's a more condensed version he put together for us lay people out there, but get a copy, read it with your kids, your older kids, or together as a family. It's really a help in guiding us as pilgrims in this postmodern society we find ourselves in. And I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes too. But but people, they don't like those that are narrow-minded. But Jesus is telling us here, we need to be narrow-minded, not in the way of the self-righteous Pharisees that, that we've discussed throughout our time in this sermon, right? They, they added to the scriptures. They put heavy yokes and burdens on the people that the scriptures didn't. They may have been good rule keepers on the outside, but right the inside, they were whitewashed tombs. Jesus has always been addressing the heart here. So I want us to try and picture in our minds what Jesus is describing here. And I'm going to share this picture that when I read this passage, this is what I had in my mind. <clears throat> I see two gates. One is really wide, and there's tons of people entering into it all at the same time because the entrance is wide enough for multiple people to head into. And in this very wide gate, people are bringing in with them as much as they want to because it's huge. There's no limit to what you can carry in with you. You don't have to leave anything behind. Just bring all your baggage with you. The other gate, it's narrow. And I I picture this more like a turnstile with each person going in one at a time. There isn't any room for baggage. Two men can't enter into this gate at the same time because to enter in, you need to put off the old man. You need to leave him on the other side of the turnstile and only the new man can enter. You enter because your life is now hidden with Christ. You've died to self and you're alive to Christ. And the term here that Jesus used for enter is conveying a sense of urgency. It it requires immediate action. We don't want to put off where we stand with Jesus. He's calling us here to make sure we are known by him intimately and personally. There's a myriad of decisions we make in a lifetime. In, in, In our day, there's a bunch of decisions we make, right? Some are more important than others, but there is not one more important than our eternal destiny. Jesus is calling us here to determine What is our response to him and his kingdom? There are many wrong ways, 
that there's only one right way. There's one true way, but there's many false ways out there. John Stott said, Jesus cuts across our easygoing syncretism. And, and syncretism, just it blends together all these different various religious beliefs. You can kind of grab a little bit of what you like here or there and merge it all together. But that is not acceptable to true biblical Christianity. John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say, I am a way, or I'm a partial truth. He didn't say you can add in whatever other things you like to that truth or take away whatever you don't like. Jesus was pretty exclusive here. <clears throat> if we add or take anything away from the gospel and the truth of God's word and bring it into falsehood, it's heresy. It's no longer biblical Christianity. It's no longer the way to Jesus Christ. To be clear, there's only one way to heaven, one way to God through Jesus Christ and him alone. There's only one true God. No one can come to God in his own terms. He can only come to God in one way that God provided, and that is through Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So, <clears throat> It's not by doing good things or trusting in your religious background. It doesn't matter if you were raised in the church and attended church your whole life faithfully. It doesn't matter if you had a Christian education or were homeschooled. I, I just shared a message and a study with our ladies at church that we're doing on Philippians. And I had some verses in Philippians 3 as part of my text to share where it was talking about the Judaizers or the false teachers the Apostle Paul was warning the Philippians about. And they taught that to be right with God, you had to conform to the Mosaic law and circumcision was especially promoted for salvation. So they required the Gentiles to first become a convert to Judaism and then they could come to Christ. So their doctrine was a mix of grace and works. John MacArthur stated on that, he said, every system of religion without relationship, every system of religion without righteousness, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian scientists, Roman Catholic Church, or liberal Protestantism, or whatever it is, whatever human achievement religion where you assume that if you do fewer bad works and more good works, or certain good works, you'll earn favor with God, it's a false religious system. And the people in it are deceived about their true relationship to God. It's all or nothing with Jesus, my friend. Steve Lawson said, sometimes people ask me, do you think that someone who is trusting in their baptism or in their church attendance or their church membership or their good works and Jesus Christ will go to heaven? The answer is a resounding no. You are not saved until you put both feet before the cross and come all the way to Christ. He continues, he says, you have not entered the kingdom of God until you abandon any and all trust in any religious ritual and turn away from all your religiosity. You must acknowledge that all self-efforts are but dung. You have not come to Christ until you have said all else is nothing. So I'm coming back to my favorite line again, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I clean. <clears throat> John MacArthur said, there's always been two systems of religion in the world. One is God's system of divine accomplishment, and the other is man's system of human achievement. One is the religion of God's grace, and the other is the religion of men's works. One is the religion of faith, the other is the religion of the flesh. 
One is the religion of the sincere heart and the internal, and the other is the religion of hypocrisy and the external. Within man's system are thousands of religious forms and names, but they are all built on the achievements of man and the inspiration of Satan. Christianity, on the other hand, is the religion of divine accomplishment, and it stands alone, end quote there. So our salvation, where we shall spend eternity, is of utmost importance. Being right with God can only come about when you see yourself as a sinner against a holy God, and you repent, or that would be to turn from your sin and trust in the full forgiveness of Jesus Christ and Him alone, and you put your faith and trust fully in Jesus and His work on the cross. It's so important for us to understand as we move forward and look at the two gates. This is very important. We, we discussed how the term used for enter meant not to procrastinate. It meant it was urgent. Don't put this off, right? Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. We've already walked through the exclusiveness of the gospel. There's one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. This is the narrow gate. The wide way is one of every other false religious system of our time. We can think here also of the false system of the self-righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees in contrast to God's perfect standard of righteousness. We can state that all other false religious systems, even that of the scribes and Pharisees, are based on man's efforts. And all those, they're going to fall short. They all lead to the wide gate that leads to destruction. The narrow gate ends in spending eternity with God. It is the way. It's not easy. It's constraining. When we get to Matthew 7, 14, we will see that this adjective that was used here for narrow, it also is modifying, quote, the way in Matthew 7, 14. So we can clearly see that both the gate and the way are narrow. This life that we live here as sojourners and exiles on this fallen earth, it is hard. Our life in Christ is the way of self-denial. It's the way of the cross. It's a life of repentance, a separation from sin, a changed life, a life that desires to live in obedience to God's word. And we are those who are to love one another and who are had, we're to have a love for God's family. We should have the desire to grow in holiness. It's a way of true life. And it's not repressive because for the first time in our lives, as those who have come to know Jesus, we, for the first time, know true freedom and joy. We truly know now what it is to be fully known and loved and cared for by God. And we now know what it means and looks like to truly love others. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. <clears throat> Let me read Matthew 7:14 again as we're working our way down here. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus tells us at the end there of verse 14 that few will find it. Only a few will find the narrow way, but most will go the broad way. I want to read a, a parallel passage here, Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 28, and it reads here, he, referring to Jesus, went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, 
Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. In this passage, Luke, in Luke 13 here, Jesus was asked, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he answered, Strive to enter through the narrow door. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated on this text, he said, leave a question like that to God. God and God alone knows how many are going to be saved. It is not your business or mine to discover how many are going to be saved. Our business is to strive to enter, to make certain that we are in it. And if we make certain that we are in it one day in glory and not until then, we shall find out how many companions we have. And it may very well be that we shall have a great surprise. But it is not our business now. Our business is to enter in, to strive to enter in, to make certain, enter in, and you will find yourself amongst the saved, amongst those who are to be glorified, amongst all who look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And another commentator said, he stated, We often wonder about the salvation of others, but in his reply there, Jesus said, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Jesus points us back to the only person's salvation we can really know and asks are you yourself saved the rabbis of that day used to love to debate the question of whether many or few would be saved but jesus won't be drawn into this debate his only question is are you saved i really like susan heck and her um in her study on the sermon on the mount she summarized it this way she said clearly there are two doors right verse 13 there the narrow one and the wide one Entering the narrow door results in what the Apostle John says in Revelation twenty-two fourteen: Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Entering through the wide door results in what John says in Revelation twenty fifteen: And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There are also two directions. They're in verses 13 and 14, right? One is broad and one is difficult. The broad one reminds me of Proverbs 14, 12. She says, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. And Psalm 1, 6, which says, by the way of the ungodly shall perish, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I'm sorry there. The difficult direction reminds me of the 23rd Psalm, where there are dangers and difficulties along this way, this direction. Yet the psalmist ends with these words in verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then she has, there are two destinations. There in verses 13 and 14. One leads to destruction, and the other leads to life. One leads to hell, the other to heaven. One leads to eternal fire, the other leads to eternal freedom. One leads to eternity with God and all the saints, the other leads to eternity with Satan and all the sinners. One leads to eternal light, the other to eternal darkness. One leads to no more tears or sorrows. The other leads to weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, it's just a lot to take in there. So our text today comes in at the beginning of the end of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Jesus knew that many would be listening to his sermon and they would be agreeing with it and they'd be praising his words and yet they would never enter into the kingdom. We can't just hear about the kingdom and agree about what we heard and go on with our life. There is no neutrality with Jesus. We are either on the broad road to destruction or we're on the narrow road to life. We and yet we don't just fall onto the narrow road. Our Kent Hughes stated, you must enter it thoughtfully and purposely. You must decide. No one else can do it for you. Moses stated in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. There choose life that you and your offspring may live. And Joshua told the people in Joshua 14, 15, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John Stott said, according to Jesus, only two ways, hard and easy, there's no middle ground, entered by two gates, broad and narrow, there's no other gate, trodden by two crowds, large and small, there's no neutral group, ending in two destinations, destruction and life, there's no third alternative. Peter declared to us in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So my friend, rich road are you on? Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate. And in John 10.19, he states, I am the door. 2 Corinthians 13.5 reminds us, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? We're not any different today than the Jews of Jesus' day. We know about the things of God. We may know the gospel. We may have been raised in the church, but all that is counted as rubbish, as Paul stated in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 9. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We're either in because we've trusted in Christ alone for our salvation or we're out because we're trusting in our own goodness or we're a faithful church attender or whatever else we may be putting our faith in besides Jesus. Knowing about Jesus isn't the same as knowing and being known by him. So I ask you today, have you entered through the narrow door? Jesus says to you, strive to enter through the narrow door for many I tell you will seek to enter and will not be able I do pray, my friend, that we are on this narrow road together. Jesus truly is enough always. Thank you so much, my friend, for your time today. This was a really, um, just a really good and sobering message for me to put together today, just much pondering even those people in my life who are on the broad road and just continuing to diligently pray for them and their salvation. The full show notes 
will be at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. And don't forget to check out High Contrast Hymn Book as a way to share truths about the kingdom with your littles. Again, that link will be in the show notes. And please, please, my friends, if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you listen in. It helps others to find the podcast. I am so grateful for you. And I do pray you have a very blessed week. Mm -hmm.